welcome to Season 3 of Lightwork Presents Everything is Connected, where we share inspiring stories with artists and art professionals on a wide range of topics about life and work. We share ideas on our inspirations and the influences that affect our lives. I sit down with artists and thought leaders across the diaspora to learn more about the things that make them tick, the ideas that they are passionate about, and the ways in which their work seeks to impact our society in a variety of ways. Join us as we continue the journey of sharing the interesting and inspiring stories of some of today's most dynamic artists and art professionals in the industry. Let's go! On this episode, I'm joined by Ambrose Murray. Murray received their BA in African American Studies from Yale in 2018. They are a self-taught artist, a painter and seamstress from North Carolina with roots in Florida. Through their work, Ambrose seeks to bring physical form to the ideas and theories they have been struck by from Black feminist writers and visionaries. In an artist statement, they reveal the following. My process is an exploration of our bodies and land as sites of historical memory and mystical, imaginative potential. The act of making through collage becomes a process to imagine and visualize the complex layers and depth of the stories that live within our bodies. Through processes that deepen my relationship to my materials, texture, and color, my practice becomes a space to physically remember and reconstruct the stories and relationships that have been pulled apart and dismembered across generations. Listen in as we dive into this latest episode with Ambrose Murray. Rose, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I'm so excited to talk to you, and I can't wait to get into this wonderful conversation. Me too. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So as we jump right in, I just want to start with some of the biggest news. That's um, your recent work was acquired by the Studio Museum of Harlem. It's one of the, if not the most important institution for Black art. Can you talk to me a little bit about how that came to happen? And what has the response been since the acquisition was made public? Thank you for the question. I think it's still a little bit unreal to me because I've always, you know, the Studio Museum has always been this beacon of everything for me (laughs) since I first learned about them towards the end of high school. But the way that it happens, so one of the curators kind of reached out to me out of the blue and I ended up showing two works to them that I guess like you know the, there's like the curators that reach out I don't really know how the process works but there's the curatorial team and then there's the acquisitions committee and they have their own process where they talk about the work and you know make decisions about what they'd like to bring into the museum. But I'm not a part of any of that stuff. So I just send them the work and then they have their entire process that they go through. And then they decided on one of the pieces and I was just blown away. I was like, what? (laughs) Y'all want my work? Like, yeah. So that 
that was really exciting and yeah it's it's very affirm for me it's very affirming because you know when you're out here doing your thing it can be easy to second guess yourself or you know wonder if you're on the right track and it was very affirming that an institution that I respect and hold so dear and that like has birthed and supported so many of the artists that I look up to. It's just really affirming to be a part of that conversation, you know? Absolutely. And I think that's a really good time to kind of talk about like how you first learned about the Studio Museum and when you first sort of discovered it as an institution. Was it in school? Was it before school? And what are some of the things that you have learned about it as an institution that have really left a mark on you and left a very deep impression on you? Yeah, I first, I don't even remember why I was in New York, but the first time that I even knew they existed and the first time that I went was in 2013. So I graduated high school in 2014 and I remember... I must have been in New York for some sort of accepted students day because, you know, I was in the process of applying to college and all of that around that time. So I might have been in New York going to some sort of accepted students, you know, weekend or week thing. And then I remember going to the studio museum and seeing Robert Pruitt's solo show women and I had never seen his work before and I was I just remember walking through that space and being like this exists I didn't know there was a museum for black artists and who are all these artists and what is this place (laughs) and so yeah I just was able to go back several times during college and just see the work of artists, Wengechi Mutsu, Lorna Simpson, Ellen Gallagher, Titus Kafar. There's so many artists that I got to see their work for the first time in person or learn about their work for the first time going there. Yeah, that must have been such an incredible experience. I think one of the things that I often hear people say, especially artists, and most especially artists of color, is they describe this sense of discovery, and they describe the sense of sort of having found something or learned about something that had been around or has been around for a very long time, but they're just coming to it. And I think about that all the time in terms of our education system, in terms of how history is told, in terms of the archive. And I think with you know, this is kind of related, but also just meandering down a separate path. You know, in your work, you use archival images, right? And your work is textile based and it speaks to the historical sort of references of artists from previous generations who've also worked in these mediums. And I think, you know, working on canvas can be quite elitist when you think about what it requires for an artist to even purchase the materials to be able to create artwork. Textile work is a lot more, um, I would say the, the barrier to entry is much lower because the material is more readily available and less costly. So all these things are sort of some of my reactions to what you just described, right? Like being a young woman 
applying for college, interested in art, exploring different avenues, and sort of just learning about things for the first time. Yeah, what are what are your thoughts about, about that? Yeah, it's kind of, it's a little bit crazy to think about that. You know, I've because I've been making art since I was a kid, and I've been obsessed with art for, for forever. And it's because I grew up in, you know, Asheville, North Carolina, my high school, although it wasn't, there was a good size black population at my high school. And I, I think that's shifted a lot now, but when I was going there, but it was very segregated a lot of times along class lines. And so every year as I was going up through middle school and up through high school, every year I would have fewer and fewer black classmates because, you know, they start to siphon people off into the, the honors and the standards and the AP, you know, all those sort of things. And so I started to have fewer and fewer black classmates and I think it just speaks to the, yeah, the nature of our public school system and, you know, education in the South that I, you know, I'm never going to learn about these artists at, you know, my local public high school. So, yeah, I think it was definitely a place and a time of discovery, like you are talking about, um, and the reason, sort of to go on a sidetrack, the reason that I, I knew about Kahinde Wiley, and there was a few artists, Black artists, that I knew about, and I don't even remember how I learned about them. It might have been through a magazine or just online, but for example, I didn't even know about the Ivy Leagues until towards the end of high school. But I knew I knew that I loved Kehinde Wiley's work, and so I looked up where he went to school, and he went to Yale, and I was like, oh, I want to go there. But I didn't even know that those sort of places were like, you know, because they have s- such a history, and everybody knows about them, but I didn't know about them, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. See, next question. Um your work in textile sorry you work in textiles and there is a long line of black artists who've used textiles to create art why are you particularly drawn to this medium hmm well i think kind of speaking to what you were talking about earlier too that textile can be a little bit more accessible, I think. And I I really started out, when I was younger, I was sewing all the time and trying to make clothes. And I wanted to be a fashion designer or an interior designer. That was kind of my <laughs> dream as a kid because I didn't see art as, you know, there's always this narrative that you can't make money as an artist and you need to find or do something else. And it's so funny because my grandmothers, both on my mom and my dad's side, they would send me magazines and get me subscriptions to different magazines like Essence or Jet and Vogue magazine. 
And it's so funny because there's this one editorial shoot with these big creatures jumping up in the air and they're they were textile fabric and fur. And I always remembered that editorial. I ripped the pages out and I saved it. And then years later, I realized that that was Nick Cave. Oh, <laughs> shit. Was, isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> it was like a Black artist that I was immediately drawn to. And I didn't even know about Nick Cave or about his work, but... His work was there in Vogue, and I saw it. And yeah, so I think there's this excitement that I feel around textiles and texture and being able to sew things together and sort of, it kind of like goes beyond the bounds of a traditional canvas that's, you know, a rectangle. You can make any shape that you want, and it's sort of... I it kind of flows more like water where it's responsive to gravity and it creates shapes and you can create shapes with how you interact with it. So I really like that flexibility and capaciousness of textile. Beautiful. And that sense of sort of appreciation for the material, had you worked with other materials earlier in your art practice, maybe as a student or even at the very early stages of your career where you were getting yourself closer and closer to it by using other things that didn't have this sense of flexibility that you appreciate? Or were you sort of immediately drawn to textiles even very early on? Yeah, well, I I let textiles go a little bit after childhood. So... When I was in high school, I was painting a lot. Give me one second. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Sorry about that. Oh, no, you're good. Um... What were we talking about? I was asking you about sort of how you came to using textiles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So in high school, I was painting a lot. And then in college, I ended up studying African-American studies. So the only time that I was really making art was when I got to take art classes and then Sometimes in my free time, and then I got to study abroad in London at an art school, which was really nice. So when I was there, I started having these visions of working with fabric and textiles again. So I, when I got there, I started painting again because I hadn't painted in a while since I was focused on the African-American studies degree and those, all those sort of classes. So I started painting again when I got to London, and I didn't know what to do after I painted the figure. (laughs) It was kind of this stuck place, and I don't know what to do next. And I I also did not have any money. (laughs) I was pretty much 
had a certain amount of money every month, and by the end of the month, I could barely even take the tube. <laughs> so I didn't have a lot of resources to buy any sort of supplies, so I was doing a lot of digital work, and so I kind of was using the paintings and then collaging and making these digital collages. And in my mind, they were kind of, they were going to be maps or textile or like quilt sort of pieces. And then once I graduated from school, which was a year or two later, I was able to like be a real <laughs> an artist making work for the first time and not be a student for the first time. And that's when I was really ready. I'm going to use fabric now. So that was after I graduated in 2018. I love that. Next question. Yes. What are some of the key themes you explore in your work? Hmm. I feel like I'm still always figuring it out, <laughs> but some of the main themes have to do with memory and this idea of layering and maybe hiding and revealing and using fabric and the transparency and translucence in fabric to hopefully create these narratives that are more complicated than what we might see on the surface. Right. And then, so through the use of sort of translucent materials and opacity, um, how do you think that the work is allowing people to maybe think through more complex narratives? Is it because it's sort of distorted? Is it hard to see? You kind of have to orically read between the lines? Oh, I like that. I think, I mean, one of the things that I'm always, that I feel like I'm always kind of up against is the way that Black women and queer stories are so often silenced, and specifically stories of, you know, Black women and girls that are just not a part of any dominant narrative most of the time. And so my I part of my calling I feel like is to center those stories and you know create an opportunity for people to engage closely and intimately with perspectives and people and stories that are hidden from view or not seen as significant or important enough right Yes. And uh, do you feel like your work in that regard, is it relatable to a lot of people? Does it resonate for a lot of folks? Do you feel like you're making work in, in any capacity for a particular audience? Yeah, I, I think my... Give me one second. Sorry. Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> okay, let me see. Audience. 
such a hard question to answer because, you know, technically the audience is anybody who gets to see the work. <laughs> but then, you know, I also feel like the art world is very exclusionary in a lot of ways and not everyone has the opportunity to go to museums or see art within those sort of institutional spaces. So even if I say that my audience, my audience is, you know, black women and girls or black people or families or whoever, that's not always who's going to be in the spaces where my work is showing, you know, galleries or museums or whatever the place might be. So it's something that I, I'm, always trying to wrestle with and figure out how I can move my work and bring it to places where more people will have the opportunity to engage with it, you know? Definitely. And to that end, like, how do you think about where your work is shown? How do you think about collaborating with people? I know your work was in Sierra Britain's, one of her most recent exhibitions at her gallery. And I know you've worked yeah. with Fried, Friedman Gallery, which is like literally just around the corner. So like location wise, the spaces yeah. are very close together, but it's almost like they couldn't be more different, right? Like completely totally. different program, completely different sort of approach. And maybe there are a lot of similarities as well. But I think that's such a good segue into kind of like how you make decisions to work with people and collaborate with galleries and like bring your work to audiences. Yeah, I think the art world is so, I mean, I'm still learning so much. I'm at the very, very beginning stages of things, so I have so much to learn. But I am learning that it's all about relationships, and every opportunity that I've had has started with a relationship, and having conversations with somebody and getting a sense of somebody and getting a sense of shared values. And I found that with everybody that I've worked with, you know, Friedman Gallery, Sierra Britain, there's a sense of shared value around appreciating art and honoring and supporting artists. And yeah, I think for Sierra Britain Gallery, for example, which I'm just... I'm so excited to, oh, can you hear that background? No, I can't. Okay, my dog's doing something. But I'm so excited to be working with someone like Sierra because she's, I mean, she's a go-getter. Like, to start your own gallery at such a young age and have your own space and just be really committed to presenting the work of Black women artists and Black femme artists. I'm just, I love to work with anybody who's doing that because that's kind of what I'm, that's what I'm interested in too. So, and, and like we we're just talking about bringing more audiences or different audiences. And whenever I see pictures of who is at like Sierra's openings, it's always this huge room this room full of young black artists and people and creatives and it's really exciting you know to be 
sharing work in a space like that and having conversations with from a certain base level of understanding oh my god oh my god like a hunt like a thousand percent it's like I don't need to explain everything to you yeah (laughs) yeah especially you know the stories about with the archival imagery that I work with and these histories of subjugation and the things that black women and girls experience on a daily basis I don't have to explain that to Sierra (laughs) you know yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent and I I think that it must be like what a weight lifted off one's shoulders to not have to do the labor of informing someone about the daily experiences or the microaggressions that you experience or the way that you sort of feel and exist in your body in the world you know regularly whereas with you know in a space like Sierra's it's it's one of those things that's sort of understood without having to be spoken. And there's definitely something special about that because I, I would imagine that it allows anyone who enters the space, yourself included, right? So like on the artist side, but also on the viewer side that you can focus on other things. You can focus on maybe a sense of like a sense of wonder or a sense of magic that, that art gives you or a sense of healing that art gives you. Or you can just sort of be taken over by like by the experience of just standing in front of an incredible piece of artwork and looking at it instead of having to say, well, what does the artist mean? And, you know, what's their identity politics? And like, right. that's not always relevant to this. Like, that's not always relevant to the story. Sometimes it is and sometimes it has its place. But other times you just want to be able to experience the work. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, you don't have to be Black to appreciate and and witness and experience the nuance of Black art. But there is a certain, it's just a different relationship. And then a different starting point, like you're talking about, which I think is really important it's really important to have those internal spaces and internal conversations where we're at this, where we're starting from the same sort of foundational understanding. And then from there we can witness what's in front of us. Like for me, yes, the subjects in my work are most of the time black women and girls but that's just, that's going to be the case because that's the life experience I'm coming from. And I'm using the materials that I'm using and the people and the imagery in my work as a way to explore themes about memory and time and history and, you know, all of the depths of what it means to be an emotional and spiritual body. Like, you know, there's so many themes going on that go, race is just an entry point and there's so many other things past that. Absolutely. That's so, so, so beautifully said. And just kind of rounding out the episode with one or two last questions. Um, Today in your practice, how are you challenging yourself to grow and expand as an artist? Oh, well, 
with some of today's hottest creative contemporaries. These episodes were recorded between New York, Miami, and Ghana over the past six months and reflect the times we are living in while also adding some commentary to the social, cultural, and political issues of our world at large. Depending on where I am in the world at the time of our recordings, you will hear the sounds of our local environments throughout the U.S. and in West Africa. I'm your host, Fola Shade Olobundudu, and we'll see you next time. As always, stay motivated, stay inspired, and stay up. Peace and love, y'all. We out.